Hey, what's going on? This is Troy, and this is the Planet 76 Podcast, your source for Sixers news, highlights, hot takes, and more. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Planet 76, episode 122. I'm one of your co-hosts, Troy Michael, is here with me. As always, we've got a good episode for you today. The first episode in a while, actually, where Michael and I have been together. Uh, Busy season, as you all know, a week away from Christmas. Monday the 18th, we're recording just after the Sixers game at home against the Bulls. And, um, you know, for a while there... Not tonight, but the last few weeks, it's been like, okay, Sixers are beating teams that they're supposed to beat. That's what you want. That's what good teams are supposed to do. Uh, tonight against the Bulls, the loss 108 to 104, uh, you know, ending the Sixers' six-game winning streak. Um, so, Michael, real, you know, just focused on that game first, and then we can kind of backtrack toward, you know, what's happened that there actually was to be happy about, but. Six or six game streak ends at the at the hands of the Chicago Bulls tonight. wasn't the prettiest game by any means, but what did you see uh, out of the Sixers in the 108-104 loss? It just seemed like not a lot of guys showed up, and that hasn't been the case so far this year for the Sixers. Yeah. For the most part, everyone's shown up. Everyone's done their job, played their role. But tonight it didn't seem that way, and that's what's frustrating because... The Sixers, I thought I thought they were past that. I mm-hmm. thought this new Sixers team was past the trend, I guess you could say, of guys kind of like not really showing up to play, guys not really performing the way they were supposed to. But I guess it happens to every team. You know, I can't speak for every other team in the league, but um, I guess it just happens. No matter what kind of identity shift you have, I guess there are still times where not only do you play down to your opponent, but where 90% of your team just decides, you know what, I'm just going to put up a stinker today, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Yeah. I I think the the box score backs that up tremendously. Yeah. You know, if you didn't watch this one, I mean, both of us did, but if you didn't watch, I mean, you know, Batum was one for four from the field. Tobias Harris in 32 minutes was one for three. Um... You know, a couple. Kelly Oubre was two for ten. Uh, Covington just one for three. No one on the bench had more than eight. Um, no one in the on the team outside of Embiid and Maxi had more than more than eight. So you know, just as you said, a couple stinkers in the starting lineup and the bench um, paired with what Embiid and Maxi did. So Embiid and Maxi had fifty one of the team's eighty eight shot attempts. They also had mm, fifteen of the team's nineteen free throw attempts. So it was them or nothing for the majority of this game and Sixers weren't able to overcome that so um it was it was Kobe White for the Bulls who had a had a pretty good night with 24 uh and then uh Vucevic whatever you want to how you want to say that name Vucevic had a very good fourth quarter I think just a couple big shots late that really I was like what in the world um, he's not supposed to make that, but he did. He finished with 23, um, and Sixers just couldn't claw back into this one after the yeah. deficit heading into the fourth. So, um, yeah. I mean, I kept saying to myself, all right, games like this happen. Um, it's just unfortunate that it happens to a team that you should beat and a team you should beat at home to continue a streak that you've been on. Um, yeah. Sixers had everyone you know go in this one that was available, and 
um, just came up short in the end. Um, I'll read you some numbers here from the six or six game streak um, before that. So um, Sixers won a lot of games against teams they were supposed to beat. So Washington, Atlanta, Washington, Detroit, Detroit, and Charlotte. Uh, outside of that first Washington game, the most recent five victories, I saw this on the broadcast, the Sixers' point differential per game was 31.8 points over wow. those five games. Um, for Good for 131.8 to 100 uh, was the opponent's points per game over those five games. That is the largest point differential by any team in NBA history over a five-game span. That is absurd. So... It, that, it, that that kind of number, those kind of numbers sound fake. Yes. Wow. It makes it almost like it's hard to be upset about tonight because it was going to happen eventually, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a thing. Like, and it's funny because I kind of talked about it. Um, I mean, I'm sure we talked about it on the podcast too, like earlier in the season. But the Sixers were not going to stay this hot forever. They weren't going to play this way forever. There was a time and a place where they would not stall out. I, I don't want to say they're stalling out. But there's a time and a place where they would find difficulties in the schedule, find times and games where teams will just get the better of them and beat them. Like, this is not a flawless team by any means. We we see it. We've seen it. This is not a flawless team by any means. Um, right. I don't know if there is a flawless team in the NBA. I don't think there is a flawless team in the whole entire NBA. But when it comes to the Sixers, um, they... There, w- there was going to come a time where they'd find a rough patch, a, t- a time where they'd lose a game they were supposed to win, like tonight against the Bulls, because the Bulls stink, and the Sixers lost to them. Right. Right. Yep, it was going to happen. The streak was going to come to an end eventually. And, yeah. again, regardless, outside of that grand scheme of things, big picture, you like to see what the Sixers have done this year. 18-8 and eight on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just – and it's encouraging – you know, not just to win games against those teams, but to win them the fashion that they have. Embiid didn't even play in the fourth quarter in the last five games outside of the Bulls one yeah, tonight, right? Like, that's do insane. About, do you want to talk about that, too? Yeah. The numbers he's been putting it's, up, let's talk about that. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. It's, it's like, I don't know. I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, what else can you say about Embiid? There's nothing else to say that hasn't been said. Like, there's nothing new that we haven't, discussed or that you haven't heard that i haven't heard that the viewer hasn't heard about Embiid. it's just it's just pure dominance every Mm -hmm. single night and it's just come to a point now where we're almost expecting this we're almost saying like this is the new normal and it's still not normal because 99% 99% of the league is not doing this. So by league standards, it is totally abnormal. But for a guy who's been doing this for going on three years now, it's kind of become the norm, which is crazy for anybody, let alone some dude in 2023 named Joel Embiid. Yeah. Yeah, I heard someone, I don't know if it was during the game tonight or post game. Um, someone said, and I I thought it was just, you know, it made me think back to years past, like they said, he got off to a really, really great start this year. And that made me think, well, he normally doesn't, he normally gets, you know, first handful of games, gets off to a slow start. They said he got off to a good start this year. And it was like, oh, I think it was Allah actually. And he was like, and then 
you didn't think he would get any better, and he has. Like, he's done what he normally has done, where he's done the typical improvement as the year goes on, but he's building upon what was already good this year. So the last seven games for Embiid, 50, 38, 34, 41, 35, 42, and 40. That's remarkable. And, and over half of those not playing in the fourth quarter. It's just crazy, too, like the linear progression that he's made uh, the past two, three years of the time where he's been playing at his absolute best. He's gotten significantly better between 2021 and 2023. He's, got, he's gotten significantly better when it comes to passing. We talked about mm-hmm. it before. He's gotten significantly better when it comes to even three-point shooting. I mean, he's improved three-point shooting. Um, he's just – I think he's become – for as polished as he was when it comes to scoring and getting to his spots in 2021, he's become even more polished now in 2023 going on 2024. And like I said, and like we just talked about, it's, it's there. You can't really accurately describe what's going on because it's, it's, it's just so surreal. Like you're seeing what he's doing on a nightly basis. And it's just like, is this guy real? Is it, is this, real is this happening right now right he continues to make jumps in his game that just don't seem like he should be able to no um but he does and and he finds ways and what's encouraging this year it now i get that it's a it's a fraction of a difference but he's playing slightly less minutes per game mm-hmm. he's putting up right now you know about a whole point more per game he's right. about two assists more per game as you just mentioned and his rebounds are up near 12 a game um that's incredible for a guy that won the MVP last MVP last season to be able to improve the way that he has in the early going this year, I saw a stat a couple days ago, which still stands because obviously he went for forty again tonight. It said that Embiid has more points than minutes played this season. <laughs> what? More points than minutes what? played. You want to take a guess as to who is the last person to do that in a se- in a full season? Uh, gotta be MJ, right? Wilt Chamberlain. What? You mean 185 Wilt? years ago, Wilt Chamberlain? Yes. <laughs> wow. So that now I get that this might not last, but we're we're 26 games into the season, and Embiid is doing something that hasn't been done since Wilt. <laughs> um, and again, that just points to the efficiency on offense, and I think there's something to be said for what Nick Nurse has done to help him take his game to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we, we've, we've talked about it before a ton in, in, at length on this podcast. I've talked about it at length on my page. You have a guy in Nick Nurse who, like, he, 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 gets, he understands talent. He understands how to use talent. And he can do it in a way that not many other coaches can. It's just, it, I don't know where it comes from. He's a smart guy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, experience, obviously, is involved. He's won two championships now in two, kind of, two different leagues, in the G League and in the NBA. It's, it's like, a priority for him is getting Embiid in places that challenge him, but also getting him in places where he can improve. And that's something that Brett Brown, yeah, kind of did, a little bit, mm-hmm. not to this extent. Doc Rivers did not do, quite frankly, didn't seem concerned with doing that. But Nick Nurse, 
it all comes it all plays into the fact that he's not afraid to not gamble but he's not afraid to try and experiment with things and it's perfect because that's exactly what the regular season is for that's like one of the main points of a regular season for your team is trying things seeing what works pushing guys experimenting with guys and seeing like okay what is this guy capable of in the sense of Joel Embiid what is he capable of how much can he do on the court on a nightly basis what is he what can he really do and I think Nick Nurse has really kind of pushed that and pushed Embiid like hey let's see if you can do this let's see what you can do let's see how many times you can do this or that or whatever it's it's awesome it's great yeah well said. Well said. Yeah, I, I I like what we've seen from from the from the head coach. Yeah. yeah. And even just now, I get that this is this is not even quite relevant to what we're talking about <laughs> with with Joel Embiid. But even just how he's handled, you know, that early season turmoil. Now that's a thing of the past. Um, you know, with the issues surrounding James Harden mm-hmm. and and you know now it's just plugging and playing. There's different guys on this team. There's there's something we've talked about. There is so much depth which can be hard for a coach to deal with. But yeah. even, you know, and we've gotten to see all these guys play now at this point, you almost like how some of these guys appear, you know, when you see them on social media in videos with the team and pictures, like they enjoy being around each other, even though some of them, if they were playing elsewhere, would be getting a lot more minutes. They don't seem to care. There seems to be a lot of team buy-in, and I think that starts at the top. At least that's, you know, again, I'm not in the locker room, but that's kind of what it appears like to me from what we see, you know, on social media and in and, and different areas, um, that there seems to be a lot of buy-in with this team. Um, switching gears a little bit to some of those guys that, you know, maybe their minutes have fluctuated this year, uh, but we have gotten to see them a little bit, three pieces, three of the four outside of, outside of KJ Martin, who we've seen very sparingly, but three of the four, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, um, what have you liked out of those guys? Nick Batum seems to have solidified himself as a starter, I think he's shown some good. We know what Covington brings, and Morris has, has had some decent games, and um, I think some people didn't quite expect that. You and I both did. We were both excited to see him play, um, and he's had, some, he's had some moments. So what about these guys? I love it. I <clears throat> would like to find something to complain about, but I can't. <laughs> um, it looks like Morris was kind of like weird when he first mm-hmm. got here playing wise it's look it look it's looked like he's shaken that rust off or whatever the problem yeah. was um you're just getting really solid production from these guys and again the theme of like versatile wings who can do a lot of different things on the court on offense and defense that's something that the Sixers haven't had and when they have it's been in very limited capacity you need these guys on your team. It's 2024 now in the NBA. A league that is so ever-changing when it comes to who plays, who makes a difference. You need these types of players on your team. You really can't have a good team without having players who can do these things at a high level. And the Sixers have about nine of them. So <laughs> this is, it's like, again, it's yeah. kind of similar to withdrawal and B. I there isn't really anything that I can say that hasn't that hasn't been said. Yeah. Yeah, you just said the only thing that 
you know, I mean, it's not a concern right now, but could be a potential one is when there's different guys playing kind of just the, from a rhythm standpoint. Yeah. You know, if Marcus Morris, you know, if he goes a few games without playing, is it going to kick a couple games to shake the, that rust off? Sure. Or for Covington, the same thing, whatever it is. Um, you know, that's just one thing that to, to look out for in this era of 76ers basketball because of this tremendous amount of depth that they have. I mean, you know, a lot of times we even forget Daniel House. Like, he played tonight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he was going to cooking. factor into some, he had, some situations. He had right? some big threes tonight. I mean, they lost, so it doesn't right. really matter, but still. Um, yeah, and then Marcus Morris hit five yeah. against five for five against the Pistons <laughs> on Friday. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to game plan against, obviously, mm-hmm. which is which is good for the Sixers. Um, but especially when that rotation shrinks. If somehow, someway, this is the roster as we, as we you know, two months from now, post post-trade deadline, which I don't know if it will be, that's probably an episode for another day, whole discussion there, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how Nick Nurse uses these pieces in order for the Sixers to be most successful. Um, but yeah, you like what you see um, from these guys. Again, tonight just didn't quite pan out. It would have been a great, great, great episode to talk about. Man, Sixers are beating up on teams they're supposed to beat, you know, but um, they let one slip tonight against the Bulls. Um and we'll look to bounce back. Let's take a look at the Sixers' upcoming schedule real quick. So they got the Timberwolves on Wednesday night. The Timberwolves sitting at, I don't even know what they are, 20-5. and five. Can you believe that? 20-5? and five? Finally clicking. That's nuts. They are. They are. And then Friday against Toronto, both of those at home. And then on the road for four in a row. Miami on Christmas night, 8 p.m. on ESPN. Oh, so Minnesota, Toronto, and then Miami Christmas night uh, at Miami, 8 o'clock. So that's what's upcoming. Uh, Michael, anything else from your end on episode 122 as we finish out? I think I'm good. I think um, this is the point in this season now. I, I think I'm almost positive I said this last time, and this was like almost two weeks ago now. But I'm – this – is the point now in the season for the Sixers where we are really seeing what they're made of, what what they are, what they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the point in the season now where we're going to be able to see what this team is made of. The next 15, 20 games heading into the All-Star break in February, it's going to be huge for this team. Is this the kind of team that can compete in the East? Right now I'd say, yeah, sure. But a lot of games left mm. to be played because by then we'll be at the halfway point in the season, and that's when we can really get a gauge for what the Sixers are, what they can be, and what they might need traded line-wise. Mm-hmm. I already know what they need, but that's, like Troy said, that's another time. That's for another episode, and uh, I, I will ramble, so we can't do that right now. That's exactly um, right. It is. It is. Yeah. It's a lot for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Because that's when you said that before you even said trade, I was like, "That's what I want to bring up just just yeah. right now." Because like he's right. Because like over these next two months, month and a half, it's and the hope is that if there is a need, it'll be glaringly obvious that the Sixers need to make a move. Yeah. Or if they don't, and we're gonna ride with what it is, then that's clear as well. And hopefully, you and I, when we sit here after the deadline, if they don't make any moves, we're gonna be comfortable with exactly. that. Exactly. Um, and if we're not, we're hoping that they made a move. That's just that's just that's what it's really going to be. Simple, but that's a really simple way to put it, but like it's hundred percent true. Right. 
So that talk will definitely ramp up as we inch closer with still some names being linked to the Sixers. Um, we'll talk about that at a, at a later, later date, that's for sure. But that's it for episode 122 of Planet 76. Uh, as always, hit subscribe on whatever platform you are on. Uh, be on the lookout um, for some infrequent episodes just kind of breaking down some you know some games immediately after they happen those are short i think the last one i did was just like yeah. five minutes yeah. so if you want to catch some recap after a game you can look up for those over the next couple weeks and uh some full lengths as well coming up as we head into the new year we will see you next time on planet 76you just listened to an episode of the planet 76 podcast hey we appreciate you joining us for this episode whatever platform you're on why don't you hit that subscribe button for us and we'll see you next time